0: You're listening to Big Girl Money.
1: Out into the world today, Ronnie.
0: (laughs) Okay, today we have our first live episode of Big Girl Money that we recorded last week for an organization in Colorado, well, the Colorado chapter of Women Who Code, and we did it with Vui Nguyen, and it was awesome, and that is going to be our episode
1: this week, right Wendy? Yes, and our topic is tailoring your career to your personality. And not the other way around
0: and not the other way around because nobody should have to change who they are to have a successful
1: career exactly so you're a total jerk then you should change (laughs) so young and so wise ronnie that's thank you i get that a lot so we we want to hear what you think of this um since it's a totally different format um just to prepare you we have 30 minutes of content and then we take 45 minutes worth of questions and it was just a mile a minute of questions it was so fun i know it was so fun and it inspired me
0: to want to do more big girl money q a sessions okay so thanks for listening to this episode of big girl money roll that episode
2: Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining. My name is Grace and I'm one of the directors for our Women Who Code Denver Boulder chapter. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We're so appreciative of this online community, especially during this time and how it's sort of stayed alive. We were really excited about what we have planned and honored to co-host this event with Big Girl Money. Tonight will be a live recording of the Big Girl Money podcast, including a special guest from our Women Who Code Colorado chapter, Vui Nguyen. Big Girl Money is a podcast hosted by former corporate rock star, author, gender inclusivity consultant and mentor, Wendy Bowling. She's joined by Ronnie Bergener, an aspiring corporate rock star and millennial new to the corporate world. Big Girl Money is a podcast for women working in any male-dominated industry. Each week, they feature amazing guest interviews, breaking news stories about women, career advice, leadership skills, and more. The episodes are focused around the idea that we can't control how the world views us, but we can control how how we respond, how we value ourselves, and what we demand of our careers. I highly encourage you to check out their website, which is included in the meetup invite. I've only gotten to listen to a few episodes so far, but I can attest to the uniquely entertaining and relatable perspective they provide, which you'll hear today. Rui Nguyen, our Women Who Code podcast guest, is a longtime software engineer with 20 years of experience. She has a bachelor's and a master's degree in computer science. She's built Internet of Things projects as an intel innovator, including an automated faucet dripper that prevents water pipes from leaking and breaking in cold climates, a project that Intel sent her and her team to Beijing, China to compete with for an IoT competition. Currently, Vui is a native iOS developer and a lead for the Women Who Code Boulder Denver chapter, as well as the global Women Who Code Mobile Track community. We're honored to co-host this event with such inspiring women. And with that, I'll hand it over to Ronnie to get started. Thank you, Grace. We
0: are so excited for our first Big Girl Money podcast that's live. We wanted to do do a live one ever since we got started, and I didn't think it would be over Zoom, but I'm not mad about it. I think it's going to be good. Our um, topic today is about tailoring your career to your personality and not the other way around. Um, We've all heard stereotypes about the type of work that certain personality types should do. When I was little, everybody told me that I like to talk a lot, so I should be a lawyer. Or maybe you were told, you're so quiet and shy and smart, you should be an engineer. But I don't think our personality type has to dictate our careers.
1: I agree with you, Ronnie. And um, as you can tell, Ronnie and I are both extroverted engineers. Um, That's why we had to have some insight from Vui, and, and she's more of the introverted engineering type. Um, We have found that the most important question to ask yourself about your work is, does the work give you energy or does it drain it? For me, I didn't even realize how much energy uh, I could get from my work till I got bit by the sales bug at least 20 years into my career. So I I really loved the first 20 years of working in R&D as a system test, software development, eventually leading projects as a director, but it was only when I got a chance to work with the sales teams, with customers as an R&D angel for one of our top uh, two accounts that I got bit by the sales bug. I loved talking to the clients to figure out what they needed and using our solutions in ways that really solved a problem as opposed to just selling boxes. Bowie, does does this resonate with you in any way from your career journey?
3: Uh, Sure. So uh, thanks, Ronnie and uh, Wendy, for having me, by the way. So uh, uh, speaking as an introvert, the thing that gives me energy about my work is being able to create and to see software and hardware, especially with IoT, respond to the code that I write. So that is a thrill that never gets old for me. And the other thing that I need in order for my my work to give me energy is to have the time and space to be able to do deep work without a lot of noise or interruptions. But there's also things that I do that don't give me energy while I'm doing it, but afterwards is very fulfilling and gives me energy. So one thing that I do a lot is volunteer teaching at women in tech organizations like Uh, Women Who Code, and also Denver Rails Bridge. So one time I taught uh, a workshop to um, a few beginner programmers on how to build a tip calculator in iOS. And during that time, it was like an all-day workshop, and it was very draining for me. But at the end of the day, these uh, several um, women beginner programmers had built a tip calculator. So they had done something they had never done before for the first time. So even though that experience while I was doing it was somewhat draining, but afterwards it was so rewarding to see them accomplish something they've never done before. And and that gave me energy.
0: I can totally agree with that concept, Vui, of something not giving you energy in the moment, but giving you energy afterwards. I think of Big Girl Money and editing the podcasts does not give me a lot of energy, (laughs) but when I get to release them afterwards and I get people that, tell me it helped them in some way, that's a huge energy boost for me. So I completely agree. Um, Figuring out where you can get your energy from on a typical workday can be as easy as answering the question, what are the tasks that make you feel like you can take on the world when they're complete? So we have put together a poll for you to fill out. So launch that poll. (laughs) Um, Our options here are independently solving a problem that came up during a project leading a group brainstorm to get started on the latest project, helping a close friend at work with a pesky bug or a code review, pair programming, giving a presentation on the latest and greatest solution to come from your team, or successfully planning a happy hour or team-building event and watching the friendships between team members blossom before your eyes. (laughs) Wrote that one myself. (laughs) Can you tell me?
1: Good job. Thanks, Ruby. So we're seeing them come in. I know, it's fun. It is very fun. And I love that people want to, want to select multiple answers. Um, it's good to think about which of this gives you the most energy. And to see where it all ends up. So I think we've got a lot of the folks. We'll give it another 15 seconds. So hurry, 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 pick one. So let's look at the results. So it's definitely the first one, independently solving a problem that came up during a project, um, which is a lot of, it seems like a lot of folks get the energy from that accomplishing that, right? It's that big sense of accomplishment. But it is nice to see the sprinkling of other things throughout, which helps us to remember not everybody gets energy the same way we do, right?
0: Yes, exactly. Awesome. Okay, so we have come up with, at the Big Girl Money Studio, three tips for tailoring your career to your personality type and not the other way around. So our first tip is to take on tasks at work beyond your core job function that give your personality a chance to shine.
1: So for me, Ronnie, um, I really think of or think about a job of a job as a goal that needs to be accomplished instead of there just being one way to accomplish it. And it helps me. It's not really about what I'm doing. It's how I'm doing it. It allows me to get some creativity in it. So my big thing here was is to be open to new responsibilities that can give you ways to put your own spin on doing things. Like for me, I had this dull certification training to give, and I presented it like a uh, jeopardy to make it a little more engaging and fun. Um, because as I've always said, we spend way too much time at work not to have fun.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a Wendy spin for sure. <laughs> um, for me, I love to code and take on new projects. And when I can get, block of code working, I'm energized, and it's so exciting. But at the same time, my social butterfly wingspan is pretty wide. So I've tailored my role to include a lot more um, presenting my projects to people and demoing to cross functional teams. And in this way, I can kind of get energy from that, like extroverted side of my personality. Um, Vui, do you have any ways that you take on new responsibilities to let your personality shine?
3: Sure. So I would say that it's beyond just taking tasks that cater to your personality, but you can also cater how you perform those tasks to your personality. So for example, I prefer to do like short architecture discussions with team members on shared tasks and then do code reviews as opposed to pair programming on a feature from the beginning, all the way to the end, but maybe someone who's more extroverted may prefer to pair program more. So I think, you know, it's important to um, also choose work environments or work culture that cater to your personality better. And this is where culture fit is so important to your job search. And, you know, the work environment or culture is also where I'm kind of a stickler as far as my job search uh, is concerned. So for example, open office layouts uh, just aren't great for me. You know, they're just too noisy. I'm just not productive in those environments. So I understand that also limits me to places that have cubicles or offices and or some remote flexibility, but I also have to be honest about what I need in order to be productive.
1: Excellent examples.
3: Okay, so are we ready for our next poll?
1: We are.
0: Okay, what are some tasks that you could take on this week that would give your personality a chance to shine? So we got our first option, volunteer to do a teach out about what your team does to other cross-functional teams. Block a whole afternoon off on your calendar, slap a do not disturb on your notifications and go to town on a side project. Create a color-coded Gantt chart to help your team become the epitome of organization while tackling their latest project. That's Parker for sure. He made a Gantt chart for our home remodel. <laughs> <laughs> Re- revamp your company's onboarding process so new team members feel more welcome. Set aside time to swap work with a trusted teammate and offer each other new, fresh ideas and feedback.
1: Oh, people already popping in. I mean, if one of them really jumps out at you like it seemed like it, it does, that's, that's such an, a good thing to know about yourself, right? For me... Having a spreadsheet for a vacation, huge. It is like, (laughs) it makes me feel so excited about going because I feel prepared and I feel like I've thought through and I'm really going to take advantage of the opportunity. so. So we've got almost 80%. 15 more seconds. Pick one. Rolling in. Rolling
0: in. Wendy usually says roll that interview on our
1: episodes before we have interview." we I have no idea why. So now you can say roll that poll. <laughs> That's right. All right. We've got most. So let's look at the results. All right. Block a whole afternoon
0: off on your calendar. Slap a do not disturb on your notifications and go to town on a side project you've come up with. Ooh. That is awesome. I hope that that poll has hopefully given some people some ideas of tasks they can take on and outside of their core job function to cater to who they are.
1: Exactly. Oh
3: sorry, I was about to say we seem to be introvert leaning in this crowd.
1: Aren't we? Yes, I a little bit. Yeah, it's very consistent with the first answer, right? <laughs> so the, the second tip we'd like to to share with the group is to let your life outside of work fulfill the parts of your personality that aren't being nursed enough at work. We sometimes think that we've got to get everything from work. So it could be a side hustle that leverages those areas. Ronnie, do you have an example of this? Yes. My
0: obvious side hustle is big girl money. (laughs) And that definitely balances out my work. Like if I'm going to sit at my desk all day with my headphones on working and not really get to talk to people, it's okay because I'm probably going to Wendy's house afterwards and we're going to talk for Lord knows how long. So it is an awesome way for me to get some balance. Exactly. Wendy, do you have any side hustles that I don't know about?
1: Well, Ronnie, you're in every crevice of my life. Now, so, um, but I have one you do know about, I could share, and that was um, the higher I got on the corporate ladder, the more isolated I felt, the more I was the only woman in the room, the only definitely female leader. Um, so, I it was really tough on me as an extroverted engineer, so I started this group of coolest women in tech, um, and we've been going for 13 years. Uh, to build relationships with other tech female executives. And I gotta tell you, the, the monthly networking hours, they really feed my soul. It is one of those places where it's something different about being in a, in a room of really amazing women. So um, we have another poll on this tip, the second tip. So the question we want you to answer is what is something you could do outside of work in that next week, to fulfill the parts of your personality that aren't being nourished enough at work. So one example is to get your organization on. That's lists, clean closets, color-coded calendars, the whole nine yards. The second is reach out to a mentee you haven't talked to in a while and see how you can support them or work on a personal coding project that you have complete and total autonomy over, something you hardly ever get in your life or just something creative. Or maybe unplugging from your laptop and phone and and recharging solo. And the last, crank out some volunteer work for an organization you love, like Mm -hmm. Women Who Code. we are (laughs) all telling it, right? So. So, oh, it looks like God's coming in. You guys are quick, quick draws here. We'll give it just another second. Oh, this one's really scattered out. This is cool. It really shows the creativity of the group. So it's a, a pretty good split throughout, but definitely um, just your own super sauce of creativity that you can define seems to be one and out.
0: That makes sense to me because I feel like this is the women who code organization. So some, maybe you don't get to be as creative all the time.
1: Exactly, one. exactly. Okay.
0: All right, are we ready for our final tip? Born
1: ready. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, our last tip for tailoring your career to your personality is to lean into your strengths and let the weaknesses go. And what we've found from all the awesome people we've gotten to interview on Big Girl Money is that they don't spend a ton of time improving the areas where they need work. They spend enough time so that their weaknesses aren't detrimental, but they spend most of their time allowing their strengths to carry them as far up the corporate ladder as they want. So, Vui, do you agree with this idea of playing into your strengths and kind of letting the weaknesses go?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in this. I read a book, um, Now Discover Your Strengths by Marcus Buckingham and Donald Clifton, and it's all about this idea. So, um, You know, going back to the pair programming example, you know, so if pair programming doesn't work for you, then find a different way to work together or get things done. You know, there's so many different ways you can uh, do the same thing. So, you know, don't get caught up on doing things exactly one specific way. And, you know, I absolutely agree on asking people who are good at your weaknesses uh, to help you out. So for an example, I'm an application developer. That's my strength. I'm really good at that. So please don't ask me to be a front-end designer. Um, You know, it just drives me crazy when I see job descriptions for mobile developers that ask you to know everything about mobile development, which I totally understand, but then on top of that, they also want someone that does UI UX design too. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, do I get those requests because I'm a woman? You know, so, you know, UI UX is a completely different discipline from software engineering. So, you know, please hire someone to create those wireframes, and then I would be more than happy to translate them into code. Right. And I love
0: that you're sticking to your guns on that, Vui, because I think a lot of people, you know, might be getting this request that they should be doing this design work and then maybe they start doing it because they feel like they have to, but you are playing into your strengths and focusing on what you like doing and what you're good at. So I think yeah. that's awesome.
1: And it's not like you won't have to do it some, um, something some, but the majority of your day, you're hopefully leveraging your strengths and getting energy from that work. And then it helps to sustain you through those other times. Um, we got an
0: amen to the UIUX comment.
1: Ooh, I love it. <laughs> so um, I have a terrific example of where I've partnered with someone a peer um, that was a great compliment to my strengths. And I know it, you think it's you, Ronnie, but it was actually back in the old days with Avaya. Um, when I was a director there of the Next Generation products, I had another director, a peer who was doing the current engineering work. He made sure that all the customers um, had the right releases and all the uh, changes that were being in them. It was a it was a really overwhelming part of our process to make sure that ran well. And he loved that whole idea of making sure the solutions out in the field continued to work. And working on new projects didn't excite him at all. In fact, it scared the receivers out of it. So <laughs> I love the let's get in there and figure out how to get this started and done and uh, something that was unknown. I love that. And so what I learned is that for every, I thought I was so lucky doing the work I was doing, but he felt he was just as lucky doing the work he was doing. So it was really such a compliment in my career. I'll never forget it.
0: That's awesome. Okay, our last poll will hopefully help you identify some of your strengths. So it is, I am super awesome because I am so good at blank. We have taking charge and coming up with a plan when a problem arises, facilitating connections for the people on my team, coming up with creative and unexpected solutions to problems, encouraging my teammates and bringing a positive attitude always, ensuring oh that one's cutting off but it says ensuring my train always has a stop at organization station <laughs> and then last option so many things it's hard to list them all which i'm glad some people are actually selecting that one yes That's,
1: exactly. oh now it's showing up
3: so. a lot of
0: confidence i love it this is great it's got a lot of across the board too i wish mine was ensuring my train always has a stop at organization station <laughs>
1: Why why don't you lean into that, Ronnie? No, that's my weakness. Gotta let it go. Oh, that's the weakness you gotta let go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Parker has it for both of you. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's got that covered for sure. All right. So we've got almost everybody. Wow. This is great. Wow. Taking charge and coming up with a plan when a problem arises is a big, a lot of folks there, right? Mm hmm. This just, doesn't it just remind us how cool it is, the diversity and the differences? I love it. Well, thank you so much for helping us by being so engaged with those polls. Um, We have so much enjoyed sharing these three tips with you and we already see there's some questions coming in. So this this is really cool. We wanna jump right into that at this point and pick a couple to answer. (laughs) So if you have commentary, we love seeing it in the chat. Um, Because usually Ronnie and I are just playing off of each other. So not hearing anything back from anybody is a little tougher. So the first question is, I sometimes feel like the workplace demands conforming to a certain personality type. Have you experienced this? And do you have any advice? Anybody want to take a shot at that one? You know, I have always, I always have something to say, so.
3: Well, I think in that situation, um, that's where, you know, the interview is so important to gauge that culture fit. Um, but you know, that being said, um, there's never going to be like a 100% fit, Right. So if if you if you mostly like the job, but maybe there's one or two things, um, you know, then then speak up and try to find like a compromise, you know, try to work together. The idea is, you know, hopefully people are more focused on the end result, you know, getting things done and not so much how it gets done. And I know that's not always possible uh to be able to say, can can we be flexible with how we do things? Um but you know, give it a try. Yeah,
1: know. and and this was such a big thing for me of uh, being in an R and D for all those years. I I'll never forget. I was so excited, um, and I scooted up to the table um, right beside an introverted male, and we were talking. He was he reported to me, and we were going to talk about his career development. You know, you do that every six months kind of conversation. Well, you better be. If you're not, ask your manager to do that. But he ended up um, scooting his chair backwards. And it freaked me out. Like, you're in my space. You know, I was so excited. And I learned over time to actually have a different demeanor, to have my R&D voice, which was quieter and slower. And I just would present things in a very, um, in, a, in a way that I knew would allow me to be successful with people. And so I learned how to be successful, but I also, it took a toll on me um, because I had ideas off the cuff and that never worked very well to just throw them out there. I usually had to go through the scenes. It just pushed people too quickly. So I just read the room and figured out how to get things done kind of behind the scenes by talking to the thought leaders and then bringing them up. So actually later in my career, being in the sales role where I could think on my feet and it was just like I, I come out of the extroverted closet and it was just such so much more fulfilling to me. I was I, I didn't realize looking back how much I downplayed my personality. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Ronnie, you wanna take this next one? Sure, okay.
0: How can you best deal with a very, oh, whoa, this one is intense, okay. How can you best (laughs) deal with a very manipulative and brown-nosing boss who cuts you out of meetings and takes credit for your hard work? Is there a best way to deal with this gracefully? Wow, that sounds horrible. (laughs) we're sorry first of all we're sorry you have this situation yes for Mm -hmm. sure um I think that I mean definitely you have to stick up for yourself I would say I think sometimes we're afraid to speak up and stick up for ourselves when things like this are happening and I think before you go above your boss's head to your boss's boss you should do your best, as scary as it can be, but to have an honest conversation with your boss about your relationship and just talk about how there's maybe some ways you can work better together. And I think definitely practice having that conversation. Like I have done with Wendy countless times, practice how you're gonna approach it, what you're gonna say and give that person, him or her a chance to act differently and improve your relationship. I mean, you never know what's going on in someone's life. Maybe him or her is just having something crazy going personally. But I think step one is
1: preparing for a conversation
0: like that and, and having it. You're uh, so you right,
1: want? Ronnie. 90% of the time when I've called anybody on something like this, it wasn't intentional. Um, now it could have been unconscious, right? I, I believe there are bad bosses that do take credit, they're female and male, but in this situation, some of the best ways is to make sure other people know what benefit you're bringing and what your work is and finding out who are that your boss's peers that you can in a nice, uh, very flowing way, it's, don't. You have to do it in a conversational way, um, but you can give that feedback that, that lets them know what you are doing and, and what impact you're having on the project. And um, I always say enlist a buddy. So if your boss leaves you out of a meeting and everybody shows up, then somebody can say, hey, Ronnie needs to be at this meeting. Um, we, we should make sure we bring her in because she, she has the data around this, right? And so asking, seeing that pattern and asking other people and not just one to be an advocate for you is a huge deal here, right? But it's to do it with some class. You don't have to be brought down to their level. I will be honest, if it doesn't get better, I would look for a new boss because this can suck the life out of you. You don't need to play these political games um, long term. It really does wear on you. And the longer you're in a situation, the more normal it seems. Mm-hmm. So give yourself some time and a deadline to deal with it and then, and then make a, a good move to a better place.
0: Yes, love that. All right, Louie, are you ready for the next question? Do you want me to read it? Sure. Okay. I used to be a middle school teacher and now I'm studying computer science. Everyone I talk to is surprised because I'm usually a big picture thinker. Is there a space for more visionary thinkers in the world
3: of programming? Oh, that's a great question. And uh, just, for me, you know, offhand, I don't, I don't see why that's a problem. I mean, yes, you know, it does help to be very detail oriented. You know, when you're going down, you know, with the lines of code, and you want to make sure everything, every single piece is working right, and so being detail oriented is very useful. And you know, I consider myself to be that kind of person but we also need people that can see the big picture because a lot of us uh, will work end up working on these huge software projects that um you know will encompass you know front end back end cloud you know and so it's important to uh also have people that can see the big picture and see how all the pieces fit together and that's where like someone who is a a software architect, you know, who can see the big picture can come in very handy. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many different ways you can fit in with tech that that's just, I'm just surprised anyone would say that. I just think that's silly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is silly. I think that's being a big picture thinker is a huge advantage because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times people who are extremely detail oriented have a hard time seeing when they're spending too much time on something that isn't, impactful to the big picture somebody who's constantly thinking about the end goal is going to know when time isn't being allocated the way that it should be and can keep everybody you know focused on what the end goal is so i think that you should just own
1: that because that's awesome i agree i think you the the world is your oyster i mean really it is you know how many people can't go to the high level and see the big picture and they can only work on a, a subset so st- a, a job in strategy um a product manager mm-hmm. uh, if you decide you don't i think the architecture role with the programming is perfect but i also think you product managers are such a big piece of how you're successful or not with a product line and a solution if you can pull in all of the the customer requests and inputs, and be able to lay them out in this almost creative, magical way, um, not a lot of people can ha- have that skill. So I think you're, you're set up for success.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, Wendy, are you ready for the next question? Oh, yes. So many people have recently gone through layoffs do you have advice about how to deal with that work-related PTSD as they get back out into applying and looking for a new position? Oh Lord, this is a this is a toughie. Um, because the first time you get laid off, laid off is the toughest. Uh, Ronnie, you know this. I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie has she's lived dog years of of being of going through some job transitions. I've never seen a child go through this kind of stuff. So um, bless her heart, she is rolling with the punches now. But the first time is the toughest. It does get easier, but I think you have to give yourself some time to grieve and put a limit on that time because sometimes you can get stuck in it. Sometimes you you're not doing yourself any good by wallowing after a period of time. So I think the best thing you can do is most of us network only when we need it. So you networking as part of Women Who Code and get outside your company to network is one of the biggest things you need to do on a continuous basis, mm-hmm. not only when you need it, right? Mm-hmm. And this is that that way of just learning what else is out there. So um, I am really sorry that you're going through this. It is one of the toughest things you're gonna go through, but go out and use this time to think through what you loved in your old jobs. In fact, one of the biggest things I do with people when I coach them, when they're making a change, is I get you to do an X and Y axis and, on the x y axis it's plus 10 and minus i mean the y axis is plus 10 and minus 10 and then each job that enroll you've had you put whether it was a 10 or whether it was a minus 10 and you look at that and you look at the top one and the bottom the the highest one and the and the, the lowest one and figure out what it was that engaged you that made it Uh, five or seven or ten and then what was it in the other job that made it the lowest and then you figure out how to find that in your next role. Love that. I hope that helps.
3: uh, And I I want to uh, add to Wendy's answer which you just have the answers to everything by the way Wendy that was fantastic. Uh, I want to add that it's also important to take care of yourself, and mm-hmm. it's okay if you don't spend all of your time job searching. Um, you know, find a, find a personal project. It doesn't have to be related to code, I and mean, it can be, but just you know, find a hobby or do something to take care of yourself, exercise, you know, just, just to get out of that, that funk and, and spend some time with self-care uh, as well.
1: Um, next is Liv, um, Ronnie, do you want to read Liv's? Sure.
3: I can actually relate to Liv, so go ahead and <laughs>
1: read it.
0: Okay, well you can take Liv's question then. Uh, she says, I'm a young woman in tech and I have a hard time because I feel as though people do not take me seriously because of my age and the way I look. It gets tiring having to prove myself constantly or feeling like I have to prove Myself or feeling like I've proved myself constantly.
3: Tips, please. Uh, so um, I run into this a lot. I think people are no longer thinking I'm 20 years old, um, but uh, I I am I am older than 30, and you know the thing. Some people might say, "Oh, it's such a compliment," and people think that you're young, except when. That means they think you don't have any experience and uh, the best way to that I've handled that is to, you know, go out and and do things that demonstrate your experience. So I give a lot of uh, Technical talks, you know, meetups, uh, conferences, for example, I blog. So, you know, if you keep reminding people, hey, I know stuff then hopefully eventually they'll realize that you're not just someone fresh out of college. (laughs) I I, I still struggle with this too. so. Um, I, yeah, I do too.
0: I think one thing I've learned, I feel like I went into, I had my first job where that kind of happened to me and I went into my second job kind of cranky from the first experience. (laughs) And I think I assumed that everybody was going to think that about me. And then in my third job, I've been trying to be really good about like giving, like I'm not going to assume that you're you know doubting me or thinking less of me until you give me a reason to. So I think sometimes when one person treats us poorly, we can get kind of defensive and think that everybody's going to view us that way. And sometimes that closes doors for us. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, like Grace said in our intro, you can't always control how world views you but you can control how you value yourself and if you value yourself highly things like that aren't going to bother you so much and stick up for yourself that's what what I'd like
1: to say also I agree I'd have to remind people how much um, how many years I had in tech because when I was 30, they thought I was 20. And when I was 40, I must have good genes. My 81-year-old mother looks really good. So, um, you know, at 57 now, I, I kind of, I, I started to tell people, you know, 30 years, I've learned a lot and I'd remind them. Now that is exhausting. I'll be honest with you, but I'll never forget when I had my first, manager job, I was, it um, was the second? I had a guy reporting to me that had 40 years of service and I was 30 years old. He had actually been working 10 years longer than I had been living. So at Avaya, at well, was AT&T, Lucent at the time and i remember i immediately thought he's not going to take me seriously he's not going to respect me right but i just made sure that i proved my that i was worthy that i showed i had value and that i made sure that i asked for his input and and it just he took me at face value and there were others that didn't and I would have to make sure that I stood up to them, to be honest. And you can do that in a classy way, but you can put people in their place. And doing that in, you learn that skill over time so that it comes out as, as I'm not gonna take your crap. Right? <laughs> so, so I hope that,
0: the other thing that would be awesome to do that I just thought of is I think sometimes people will doubt us, and then later down the road, you build relationships and you've proved yourself so they don't doubt you. And maybe once you become close enough, you can say, you know, when we first met, it kind of seemed like you didn't like me or were kind of doubting me. Maybe you can give them that feedback and that'll change how they view the next kick-ass young woman that comes in.
3: Exactly. And, and I also want to add, you know, as, as an introvert on this panel, that there's a a lot of talk about uh, sticking up for yourself and speaking up. And I would agree that that's a good thing. I know it can also be exhausting to feel like you're the only one always speaking up for yourself. So I would encourage everyone to find your tribe, find uh, your allies and and your mentors and be an ally to somebody else. Because, you know, there's, that's part of the reason why I I volunteer for Women Who Code and for these other organizations, because it's so, uh, it's so refreshing to not have to always prove myself and to be around people who already believe in me. And then to be in a position where I can mentor others and provide value to others, you know, that really you know, gives me energy. So, you know, don't feel like you have to be out there on your own fighting everybody by yourself, you know, find, find your tribe and and be that ally to someone else.
1: And I got to tell you the biggest I had this situation where I had a product manager who was the bane of my existence. He was the biggest butthead and he (laughs) would cuss and he'd yell at me and I would try everything. the, the calm response, the, okay, I'll show him, I respect him. Maybe he's the type that needs, that always thinks he's not being respected. And finally I mirrored his personality and I cussed back at him and he never, ever had that behavior with me again. And I asked him, I did what you did, said Ronnie, uh, uh months later when we got on a better, um, even kill with each other and, and we're working better together. I said, you know, when we first started working together, you were always badgering me. And he said, I wanted to see if you'd stand up to me. Mm. And I said, you know, that kind of sucks, especially if you're doing it just to women. And he said, no, I do it to everybody. I said, it still sucks. It's still really tough on people. Right. Yeah. But he was the type that you had to prove that he could respect you. And I just was lucky when I moved on and I worked with other people that didn't make me do that, Mm -hmm. so. Great question though.
0: All right, the next question is, what has been a pleasant surprise during your time in tech?
1: Ooh. Ronnie, you almost didn't go into tech. I think you should take a shot at this. Oh, uh... (laughs) oh.
3: When I met Ronnie,
1: she was going to be, she was talking to a woman that I, that I, um, knew from my first, my son's first grade teacher. And she was thinking about going into teaching right out of with a biochemical chemical engineering degree. Mm -hmm. And my friend said, you have to talk to Ronnie. And that's how she got, we started, I started mentoring you and, um, what two weeks later, we had you get your first job, and yep, it was fabulous.
0: <laughs> I think my biggest um, pleasant surprise would probably be how much creativity you can have when you're in tech. I think that the reason I didn't want to go into tech is I thought that I was like too much of an extrovert and had too much personality, and I wasn't gonna fit. But I like Vui said, every place that I've worked, if I've been able to find super super close friends and i think no matter where you work if you are willing to put in the effort you'll find somebody that you will be happy that you met and will be close with for a while so i think that was my pleasant surprise is that you can find you can find good people almost wherever you are even if it's the worst job ever
3: (laughs) anything for you louie it's been a pleasant surprise yeah well i i agree with ronnie that uh even in the darkest places, there are still good people. Um, what, for me, the pleasant surprise is um, that I, uh, I know more than I think I do. And I, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised at how good I am at what I do. And, and usually I discover this when, when I'm often mentoring somebody. And, you know, I I discovered later on that one very positive thing about having a lot of experience in this industry is that eventually you have people that look up to you and you become a role model uh, for them, especially for other women in tech. So, um, you know, even though I I don't know everything, I'm not perfect, but I try to tell people, you know, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to learn something new every time. You just have to keep making progress in what you're doing, and that is enough. Exactly. That is Um, awesome.
1: And I loved um, where I was pleasantly surprised is how much I could think on my feet. And in the moment, um, I thought everything would be, you give me a problem, I go away, I come back, and I present And have the solution. And instead, the most the neatest times have been when you're collaborating and you see people do a one plus one equals three where you're working with others. You're all thinking on your feet and you're figuring it out. And I have loved that collaboration in my career. It's been the funnest part to work with a bunch of other people and know that you're better together than I would do it by myself. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to the next one. Uh, what can we do to encourage young women to choose tech? I'm planning a career change to tech now. Good for you. Going through college, computer science was never suggested for me, even though I enjoyed math and science. Well, shame on those bias career advisors, right? Um, <laughs> Doggum it, right? Um, what do you think, Ronnie?
0: Um, this makes me think of when we had, um, Morgan Yost on our podcast Yes, and we talked a lot about encouraging young women to go into tech and she is a Denver Broncos cheerleader, but she's also a software engineer at Lockheed Martin. And she said something that like really stuck with me is that when she's volunteering with young women, she tells them that it's okay if they like more than one thing. So she'll say she'll meet some girls that say, "Oh, I really like um, math, but I also think it'd be really cool to be a makeup artist." And they almost feel like they have to pick one of these things. And she always her answer is always, "Why not both?" So I think that's a huge part of encouraging women to get into STEM is that you can be good at a ton of different things and like a ton of different things and a bunch of different, no matter what your personality is, if you have an interest in tech, you can find a way to fit in there and be really successful.
1: I agree. My own daughter struggled with going into engineering. Um, She almost opted out at the orientation because she was sitting in a room with all of these guys in the general computer science, and she said, so how do y'all know which area to go into? And and one of them said, well, if you don't know that by now, you shouldn't be here. And so I would like to be able to get to every young girl in middle school up to um, going into these orientations and be able to get them to see all the great careers and and the wide range of different things that you can do that it doesn't look like just sitting and, and coding. It, uh, only gamers should go into computer science. Only guys with hoodies should go and, and be a, a, a tech geek. And that's not it at all. There's so many options.
0: Um, Wendy, this is a good one for you because okay. you have experienced this. I'm sure you have too, Louie. Um, pretty much in every meeting i 'm in i 'm the only female. It can be intimidating and sort of lonely. Any advice
1: so for me, I remember when i was I was running sales at Servion a uh, Cisco reseller, and I kept noticing how there was no women in any meetings. so I started counting down and I went eight full weeks with no woman in a conference call or a physical meeting. <laughs> So it does, it wears you out. And it wears you out because, not because you're the only woman in the room, but I constantly felt like I had to prove I was respected, that I I couldn't make mistakes. Um, And a lot, so if I did make a mistake, I was called out for it more than other people. So I learned that had to do with the culture, but really it came back to building that tribe of women outside of it of, and that was my coolest women in tech group that um, still meets 13 years later. Uh, That helped me so much. But I also, to be honest, found some men that had a lot of feminine energy (laughs) that I, you know how the the guys you meet that can chat or that can, um, that get you that, automatically assume that you are effective, that you are smart, and I ended up um, really bonding with them, and it helped so much. Um, any other ideas you guys have gotten
3: around that? Well, I want to also add um, when uh, you're a woman, but also an introvert, that can, you know, again, add that much pressure, and it's not always so easy for someone who's introverted, especially to just, uh, you know, jump into a conversation, especially when everyone's talking all at once. And I think this is a, a situation where, you know, if, if there's a way that you can talk to the organizer of the meeting in advance and say, is it possible that we can send out an, the agenda for the meeting in advance? That way everyone has a chance to uh, start thinking about what sort of input they want to mm-hmm. give. So they're not under, you're not under pressure to like, think on your feet right away, which isn't always possible if you're introverted. And, uh, and you know, if there's a way to kind of have someone moderate the meeting a little bit so it's not just the loudest, almost talkative person that kind of commandeers the entire meeting. So I think a little, a little bit of thoughtful planning in advance can kind of uh, help um, in those situations. And it does require you to, to speak to whoever's organizing the meeting in advance and say, you know, can, can we do things a little bit differently so, so that everyone can be heard? I
1: agree. Great, yeah. great point. This yeah. is a terrific next one, Ronnie. Can you, can you take this one?
0: Yes. I have 10 years of work experience in different roles in creative fields. And I just graduated from a coding bootcamp, looking for my first tech role. I think some hiring managers look at my experience as flaky or non-committal, but I've learned so much from every role and it's made me very adaptable. Do you have any advice for being taken seriously in tech interviews from a varied non-tech background? The feeling of imposter syndrome is very strong. I'm worried I won't be given the chance to even try. Wow. Um my advice that I think for this is that you what's really cool about your resume and your experience is that it is super unique and I think it would serve you to look for roles that are looking for somebody that has kind of a different skill set so my I like tailored I have kind of a random background too I was in finance and then I was on a data science team and then now I'm doing something totally different. But what I kind of found my like specialty was, was being able to facilitate communication between like these data science teams that are super detail oriented. And then these project managers that are only thinking about the big picture. And I was really good at being the middleman. And I kind of was able to take all my different jobs and make it about that. So I would like maybe look at all your um experience and jobs and what's the common thing theme that made you really good at all of those and kind of make that what you're about and what you bring to the table for all of your job interviews. That'd be my advice. What do you think, Wendy?
1: We have two of our podcasts we talk about this. The first is to leverage that in your elevator pitch Mm of how you talk about yourself. So we have one called Elevator Pitches Bitches. And then the second, I know it's hard not to laugh when I say that name. The second is we did one maybe a month ago called um, in, From Imposter to Empowered. And it's all about this imposter syndrome thing that we all go through. The, the, the most credible people in the world, most of them all have that feeling they're gonna be found out. Um, I think my best advice for you, I think it's Allison would be to actually use this as a deal breaker in the hiring managers you see you want people that are going to see your varied experience as a major advantage as i can throw anything at her and she's going to roll with it and figure out what to do next um and figuring that out about your boss in the interview is the best time to figure it out it's not after you've gotten the job and he's He's kind of holding it against you. So look and ask questions to so that you find someone that sees this as an asset instead of a liability.
3: Awesome. Do you have anything to add, Vui? Well, I want to add that, you know, a lot of uh, skills are transferable. So, you know, it's, I don't think it's true that because you worked in this industry you can't use some of the skills that you learned towards your new job or your new career. So uh, even though I've uh, worked in tech for a long time, but I've worked in different programming languages, I've even freelanced for uh, a number of years. And um, this all came together for me actually when I uh, submitted my IoT project for that, that contest, uh, automated faucet dripper project and this is where my where my freelancing uh, experience uh, helped out a lot because i learned to market myself as a freelancer so i learned to create videos and i had to submit we had to submit this project online you know submitting our our code and pictures and video and all that and because i had learned to market myself and create videos as a freelancer my team was able to create a very, um, I I would say kind of like a polished video. And I think that went a long ways towards getting our entry accepted into the contest. And you wouldn't think like a skill like that would come in handy later. Like if I was just a full-time software engineer just doing programming stuff, I wouldn't have learned this skill, which would not have helped me later if I tried to you know, submit my entry into this contest. So you're always surprised by how things you've done in the past, how they become useful later. Yeah, You might
1: not realize it at the time. It's amazing. I I totally agree. It's like learning the second coding language after you've learned the first, you can make the connections and it goes so much quicker and easier. It's exactly that way or even working with different people.
0: You'll meet somebody in the next job. You're like, "Mm, you're just like Dave from my last job.
1: I know know what to do here. (laughs) Totally, totally. Um, Okay. We we have one from Kelly. Um, I am a former stay-at-home mother who's attending Turing School of Software and Design. You go girl, Kelly. And I love it, she says. After 14 years of homemaking, I found my thing. So I'm in the home stretch and I'm stressed about my job prospects. I hear a lot of buzz about ageism. Any thoughts or advice as I start to network and apply for positions? It feels so uncomfortable. Oh, that is such the truth. Um, It's unfortunate there is ageism um, and sexism. But again, I think there are so many um, there's such a need for software people now. And, and uh, it's never been a better time. And so you can use this as a way to find the right cultures, the right bosses that, that you're a good fit for. So um, there's these returnship uh, programs where people take the break and come back. So I think people are learning how to look at things differently. In terms, I have felt ageism before, uh, I have gone through it, and uh, what it got me to do was to move quicker to a different place. Um, and because I kept thinking it's me it's I wanted I didn't want to think the place I was at was that way. and what I went way too long before I made that change to a better place. So um, I would say, don't let your excitement and how much you you just talking about how you found your thing, managers are going to want that. They want somebody who gets that they, they have fallen into the right thing and finally um, are going to be able to use it. I, I think it's going to be seen as such an asset for you. I think
0: so too. And as far as getting more – comfortable, I would say practice interviewing with your mentors or friends or network. I think it's huge. And um, don't beat yourself up for being uncomfortable. Like when I had to negotiate my salary for the first time, when I was being underpaid, I was stressed out about having to do it. And then on top of that, I was mad at myself for being so stressed out. And it was just like the part, it was so much. And I wish that I would have just given myself a little more leeway and been like, this is the first time I'm doing it. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not going to beat myself up for that. And I'm just going to
1: practice and practice as much as I have to. So And you can stop and capture that when you, when you know, you're getting stressed. I did this with speaking early in my career. I had a really bad second grade play um, fiasco where I froze on stage and so, for my first five years of, of my work life, I would physically get sick if I had to speak. And even second grade play trauma. It was, it was trauma, yes. And, and what I learned was I would say, I'm going to hate this. I change it to, I'm, I know this sounds hokey, but it works. I'm that fake it till you make it. I, this is going to be fun. I'm excited about doing this. So, you capture the thought and then you you change it, and believe me, your mind comes, it's just like a computer, it is a computer, and you start to believe what you're saying, so. Totally. And I love this, because Elise talks about, we just talked about a mentor to to practice with, so Elise, the last question we've got is, um, Elise asks any advice for someone who is new to their career in engineering and is looking for a mentor? what's the best approach to finding a mentor and build that relationship? (laughs) have so much to say on this, but y'all, yeah,
3: I think the, the mentoring thing, um, you can't really like, at at least for me, you can't really come out and say, Hey, who wants to be my mentor? Like it's never really worked out that way for me. Usually you, uh, if there's somebody that you admire, um, then you know you might be able to reach out to them and ask some. You know, can I ask you for some advice? And you know, say, uh, do you have time for a quick half-hour phone chat? Or if, if that's not possible, can I email you a couple of quick questions? So um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to make it sound like you're like latching on to somebody. <laughs> because that's like you're a stalker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think a big
0: tip for finding a mentor, well, I can think of a couple. First one is if you, almost, a lot of people, especially women, are going to be willing to have a call with you or coffee or some virtual coffee. So don't be afraid to reach out, but definitely be prepared when you show up to those things showing up without specific questions and specific things you want to talk about is going to make it really awkward and the mentor that is showing up not having prepared they're just ready to give you advice on whatever questions you have so definitely have questions and also it's okay not to click with every person that you reach out to that you want to be your mentor it's kind of like dating a little bit, I guess, like, it's okay, if you have coffee with them, and you didn't really click, like, on to the next one, those relationships are so much easier to form, if you're not forcing it, and are just open to a lot of different possibilities, don't get stuck on one specific person.
1: I agree. Um, The worst way to do it is to go up to someone and say, will you be my mentor? So... It's just it's like going up to a guy and saying, "'Will you be my boyfriend?" It's just <laughs> don't do it right um, It's that idea that you look for people who you respect, you like the way they handle themselves, who um, who you think you would like to spend time with, and then going and um, and saying, Would you mind um?" If we got caught, co- could I buy you coffee? That's a great thing to say, by the way, is offer to buy them coffee, um, because I respect you so much. And I, I would love to run a couple things by you. And then figure out, cause they're getting a lot from you too. They're, they wanna make a difference. They want to impact other people's career most of the time. Um, cause most leaders I know are, are loving their job because they're able to impact uh, someone else in a positive way. And and you're also giving them insight of what it's like to be at those more entry-level positions. You forget. You totally forget, right? And it just, it, it's engaging. And, and so hopefully the best relationship, you're both getting something out of it.
3: And I also want to add something about follow-up too is, you know, I've, I've had people, you know, ask me questions or, or have chats with me. And then, then, then they, they disappear and they don't tell me like how they're doing. So if you ask someone for advice, you know, please follow up. You know, that's the best way to continue to have a mentor is let them know how did it work out when you took their advice. Fabulous
1: advice because the worst thing is to never hear from that person again. Mm -hmm. Until
0: they they need you all of a sudden.
1: Oh, totally. Totally. Not that that's happened to me. That's right. It's it's about quarter till seven. We want to thank you for these very open, authentic questions. A lot of people showed a lot of their soft underbelly, and that's a, a fabulous way to show up. And we just love spending the time with you. So thank you so much for being with us today.
2: And thank you guys. We enjoyed this. I feel like energized by this conversation. So we appreciate you co-hosting with us. Fabulous. Yay, that's so awesome. Thank you, everybody. Good luck. Have a good evening. Good night, everyone.
0: Well, listeners, we hope that everybody is staying safe and healthy. And um, don't forget to send us your emails, questions, stories at biggirlmoneypodcast at gmail.com.
1: And I think that's all we got. Thanks so much. And don't forget, um, any likes in any of our channels would be very much appreciated.
0: And subscribe. And subscribe. (laughs) Have a good week. Bye.